0: Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by lead pastor Dave Ferguson as we continue our series, Oh Brother. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right, good morning, good morning. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Doing Good. Good, 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 good. It is good to be here. Um, for several weeks I've been kind of making the rounds, a lot of our different locations. And I just wanted to let you know that as a whole church, it's just so awesome, we are reaching more people again this year than ever before. So that is awesome. Um, we also heard a little bit from John about New Thing. New Thing Now, our church planting network, has now grown to 177 networks around the world and over 1,500 churches. All those churches are committed to planting other reproducing churches. So that's pretty cool, huh? And here's, yeah, you can clap for that, sure. And here's one of the things I always stress with the Yellow Box leaders, our Yellow Box staff, and I just want to say to you, I believe, too, as goes the Yellow Box, kind of goes, how goes community. And how goes community also influences how we do with all of new things. And you guys are doing an awesome job. So I'll tell you what, turn to someone near you, find somebody, just pat them on the back, go like, hey, good job, way to go, nicely done. Good job, way to go, nicely done. There you go. All right, here we go. Um, I need you to uh, kind of work with me on something, so you're going to have to repeat after me. All right, you ready to kind of lean in here? Ready to go? All right, here we go. Lean in. I need you to work with me. Repeat after me. Pride is not how I think about myself, pride is not how I feel about myself, pride is how I position myself. Pride is not how I think about myself. Pride is not how I feel about myself. Pride is how I position myself. Now, maybe when we talk about pride and you think about, okay, someone who struggles with the pride problem, maybe what you conjure up, you conjure up images of maybe celebrities with big egos. Uh, Maybe you think of, uh, maybe you think of a Justin Bieber who once said, I think that if I'm not on top, it would be because I didn't want to be. Or one of my favorites, Bono who was quoted as saying, the only reason I exist on the planet is to save it and to wear women's sunglasses. <laughs> and then there's the notorious Kanye. Kanye who said this, my, great, my greatest pain in life is that I'll never be able to see myself perform live. <laughs> all right, here you go. If, if that's what comes to mind when you think of the word pride, all right, <clears throat> you might be thinking to yourself, you know what? I don't think I really struggle with pride. In fact, I would say maybe, maybe my problem is a little more that I don't I don't I don't think so much of myself. I actually kind of feel bad about myself. So let me clarify. Okay, don't confuse these guys' bravado with pride, or don't confuse your struggling, kind of with a low self esteem as kind of the as though you've overcome pride. Because remember what we said: pride is not what I. Think about myself. Pride is not how I feel about myself, but pride is how I what position myself. That's exactly right. Now I want you to hold on to that. Okay, hold on to that. We are continuing our series, Oh brother. And during this series, we've been on uh, going through the book of James, a chapter at a time. And uh, as, as John mentioned, James is the author. He's also the brother of Jesus. And this is probably my favorite book in in all the New Testament. It's just it's kind of like just chock a block filled with short kind of practical wisdom uh, that makes a difference in everyday life. And James' desire, as he explains right at the very beginning of this book, was actually this. He says, this is the desire. I want to see you become mature and complete. Mature and complete. But James had been around long enough that he knew there were some potential pitfalls that could trip us up. There were some things that could happen along the way that we're going to get in the way of us ever becoming mature and complete. And so as we get to chapter 4, he addresses one of the biggies. And I'm just telling you, I want you and I hope you will, I hope you just lean into this. This is a danger to every one of us. And I've, I've seen some of the best of people fall at this pitfall. And it's in, in a word, it is this word right here. It's what we call pride. Now James he learned how to avoid this pitfall of pride, and he shares some of his valuable wisdom with you and me. And one of the clues that we get that he had, he kind of got this figured out, is uh, James had a nickname. I'll go ahead and throw it out here. I'm just curious. This is kind of obscure Bible trivia. Anybody have any idea what James' nickname was? He actually had a nickname. Okay, his nickname was this, Old Camel Knees. Old Camel Knees. Some of you are going like, yeah, oh, I knew that one. Come on, Really? Old Camel Knees, okay, that's, I, I ran across, it, I was really bizarre, why Old Camel Knees, I mean, because that's not like a common nickname, now, I mean, when I was a kid, I, sometimes people would call me Fergie, like Dave Ferguson, Fergie, that kind of makes sense, right? Or I had a friend in junior high who was like six foot five. no kidding, kid was six five in junior high, Rich Jarvis, we all called him Biggin, right, that made sense, hey Biggin, right, because he was a Biggin, um, but Old Camel Knees, why would they call him Old Camel Knees? And the reason his nickname was Old Camel Knees was because he was constantly, in fact, so much, so often on his knees in prayer that he got to the place where he actually had calluses. They said he actually had calluses on his knees. And so when, he, when they looked and they seemed, him, they would just call him Old Camel Knees. Old Camel Knees. Now, say this after me. Pride is not what I think about myself. Pride is not how I feel about myself, but pride is how I position myself. And I think what James figured out, he figured out how to position himself so he could avoid the pitfall of pride. All right? So let's jump right in. Let's jump right in. Now, when we talk about this, 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 this idea of, I think, of, of, of pride, I think a lot of us, we don't really worry about it. Kinda, it's one of those things we kind of brush off. I don't think we take that quite as seriously as other other sins it just it doesn't seem like a biggie i mean if if i was to ask you to admit a sin and you you said pride i don't think there's not a lot a lot of shame or anything associated with that it's kind of like when you go and interview for a job you interview a job and they say oh what's what's your greatest kind of growth area what's your greatest uh kind of weakness and then you say well sometimes i work way too hard i'm kind of a workaholic right and you know the guy who's interviewing is going like oh this is awesome great i love it right so pride's kind of like that. It's not, it's, not, it's not really a biggie that, I mean, it's not, not up there with like stealing and adultery or murder, that kind of stuff. But look at what the Bible actually says. Because all the way through Proverbs, look, look what it says. This pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And what God's warning, he said, listen, right before things completely collapse in your life, right before that happens is this, is this haughty spirit, this pride. And then he takes it up a notch and he goes even further. He says this, the Lord tears down the house of the proud. And then he talks about how he really feels. Look at this. He says this next. He says, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. And what's happening here is he's warning this pride thing is a very, very, very big deal. Now, one of the most insightful things I think I saw or read about anything regarding pride, it came from Augustine, the theologian. And Augustine put it this way, and I love this. He said this, Pride is pregnant with all possible sin. Pride is pregnant with all possible sin. I'll tell you what, I would love for you to take a picture of that, put that on Facebook or Instagram, start a conversation around that one and see if this isn't true. Because I think what he's saying here, pride is kind of like the gateway drug. Pride is like this doorway. And here, here's, this is why I think this is such an important talk for us this morning. Pride is dangerous because it gives birth to, to all kinds of evil, all kinds of destruction. And what pride will do is pride will tarnish the positive reputation you built over a lifetime. Pride will, will ruin a career that you've built with good and great accomplishments. Pride will alienate close friends. Pride's the kind of thing, listen to me on this, pride will destroy your marriage if you let it. It'll keep you at a distance from those people that you love the most. And pride, it'll keep you from ever knowing God or having the kind of relationship that he wants you to have with him. In short, I think what what Augustine's getting here is pride, if it it gets inside of us and allowed to gestate, it'll create chaos, it'll deliver destruction, it'll, it'll give birth to a life that you'll look back and say, you know what, I wish I'd never even lived that life. Pride is pregnant with all possible sin. And that's why James is warning us, saying, you know what? This pitfall, the pitfall I want to tell you about is pride. And he jumps right in, and he says this. Here's, here's, here's the problem. He says, first of all, pride creates conflict with people. It creates conflict with people. Pride's this thing where it has really no boundaries. Um, it gets inside of us. It's like a virus. It, gets, it, it, it can show up in your home, and then eventually in your work, it, in your neighborhood, and it creates re- relational conflict. That rips apart community. And James understood this. So that he, he, he just asked us almost rhetorically. He said, he, like he wants us to think about this. So, so leaning to think about this, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What is it that causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires of battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you have to get on your own pleasures. And James is telling us that the relational conflict that we experience, it starts with these deep desires, as he says here, these deep desires that we have within us. And God put desires, longings inside every one of us. And, And these desires, these longings that God placed inside of us, the longing for love and purpose, they will draw us closer to each other they also have the power to draw us closer to God. They're good things. But they also, okay, if positioned wrongly, have the power for evil. And so what James used, he actually uses this word here. Check this out. He uses this word, and the Greek word that he uses there is actually a form of desire, but it's a form of desire that we try to fulfill in self-seeking ways. In self-seeking ways. And this is when we position... Our desires and fulfillment above all others. Because pride is not how I think about myself. Pride is not how I feel about myself, but pride is how I help me out. What? How I. Exactly right. And so James says sometimes what happens is our desires take over, and in this quest for fulfillment, we begin to push down and shove those around us down in an effort to get the best in what we want for ourselves. And he actually, and then he goes, kind of gets a little bit uh, extreme, and he, said, he actually uses this phrase. He says, So what we do is we actually kill. Does he mean that we literally kill? Well, maybe in some cases. But what he's talking about here is relationally. And because of pride, we kill our relationships with our words just to get what we want. We will kill our relationships with our silence, our passive silence, and our passive attempts to get our way. Or we'll kill our relationship with outbursts and trying to bully Or we'll kill our relationships by withdrawing and holding with others relationally hostage. And what James is trying to help us see, there's a catalyst for this fighting game we play, and the position, and when we position our desires above all others, it's this thing called pride. And pride is this this subtle kind of growing arrogance that says, My desires were going to come first, my cause is most important. I'm positioned here. And you're down there. And it's worth fighting, worth killing for. And I'll tell you what, if if we're reading through James here, I think it's important. Why don't we just stop just for a second. I want us to all stop. And I want us to just kind of reflect for a minute about our own relationships. And think about the relationships you have right now that are experiencing conflict or tension. Think about that. What are the relationships right now that are experiencing conflict or tension? Maybe it's at home. Might be at work. Might be in your neighborhood. Might be the person sitting next to you. I think I saw someone in the back going. So just keep your hands to yourself, eyes ahead. Okay, here. <laughs> Who are you experiencing tension with? And oftentimes it's the people that we care about the most, right? Right? Maybe, maybe it's an open verbal conflict that's ongoing. Or, or maybe the tension manifests itself by just creating silent distance. And you know, I'm, I'm not proud. I, I play the fighting game sometimes. And sometimes it's just because of pride. Just pride. Pride causes me. Think about this in you, you. causes me to position my desires and my needs over, over, over my wife Sue's. How do you you think that works out for me? Anybody? Yeah, not good. Not so good. We had something funny happen this week. I I wasn't planning on telling this, but I'm going to. I'll be the bad guy. You're okay. Of course. She says, of course. (laughs) <laughs> well, I forgot exactly. What. I think I was supposed to take. I was uh, both of my both of my boys are in town. And we're going to a wedding, so I think I was supposed to take some stuff to the. Well, I can't. I'm not going to get it completely right, but I was supposed to take some stuff to the cleaners. This is one of those stupid, silly things. I was supposed to take some stuff to the cleaners, and so I'm in a hurry, and I just put on a baseball hat, and I'm running out of the house, and she's like, "You didn't even brush your teeth." And I was like, oh "I know," and of course, you should brush your teeth, right? You should brush your teeth, right? That's a that's a good thing. But now, like, I'm a grown man, and she's telling me to brush my teeth. So you think I went back upstairs and brush my teeth? Absolutely not. It's a matter of principle. I'm not brushing my teeth. I walk. So we're, we're, I got a pride. You know, I'm going to show her. I'm going to the cleaners without brushing my teeth. I mean, that's just one of those stupid things. And, you know, and then it kind of what? It grows. You end up doing, right? <laughs> Somebody else must have done that, too. But here's the other thing, too. But if, I'll tell you that this pride stuff, though, it could also, if I position my desires, let's say like here at Community, if I position my desires ahead of the staff here, it's, it, in time, it's going to kill the culture of this place. And it'll kill the mission. It'll kill the kingdom. In any relationship, when I put myself in a position of more important or superior, it's going to be death to that relationship. Do you see how this works? And here's what, we go back to what I said. Pride is not how I think about myself. Pride is not how I feel about myself, but pride is what? Say it, how I position myself. And James is telling us right here at the outset, listen, your pride is causing you all kinds of conflict with the people in your life. And he's just not talking to people back then. He's talking to you today, 2018. And he's saying this is a pitfall. And it's keeping you from having the kind of friendships that you desire to have. It's keeping you from having the kind of marriage. Because the stupid prideful things you're doing... Let it go for Pete's sake. It's keeping you from having the kind of family that God wants you to have. It's keeping you from, some of you that are bosses, okay, or you have have business you own, it's keeping you from having the kind of workplace culture that could thrive and be wildly successful. It's keeping you from having the kind of life that you want. Pride. See what he said? It's pregnant with all kinds of sin. And just when he finishes the the whole relational conflict, how pride creates relational conflict, then he goes to this other thing and says, hey, but it actually gets worse. Pride creates conflict with God. And then he doesn't pull any punches. Right off the bat, he just kind of throws this at us You adulterous people. What? I mean, what? Why is he, why is he, why the charge of adultery? And here's what James is getting at. It's kind of interesting. He's saying this, okay? He's saying, listen, you could have a relationship with God that would fulfill those desires that you're trying to get on your own, but it's your pride. Your pride. You think you, have, you can find something better, and so you turn your back on God, and you chase after something or someone other than Him. Chase after something or someone other than Him. He calls it adultery. Here's the whole phrase. He says this. He says, listen, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he, is, that he jealously longs for the Spirit he has caused... To dwell in us, or to dwell in you. I want you to think about this. Grapple with this. This is so big here. God, okay, we're talking about God, that's pretty big. The creator of the universe, heaven and earth, almighty, the most powerful being, wants to bring fulfillment to your desires. And then on top of that it says he's jealous for you. He wants to be the most important relationship. But what happens, this is what James point, instead of turning to him to fulfill our desires and to trust him and say, okay, you're the one that I want, instead we actually say, you know what, God, I think I got this covered. I think I know more about what I need than you do. And I'll tell you what, I'm just going to give you this, this, and this. I'm going to delegate these things to you. Don't we do that? And the only reason I'm saying don't we is because I know how I am. Ken Blanchard, Ken Blanchard wrote probably the best-selling business book of all time, One Minute Manager and a whole bunch of other stuff. Brilliant guy. I've got a chance to meet and spend time with him a couple of times. And also a tremendous Christian leader. He says the problem is this. Here's how he talks about it. He says says it's all about ego. It's all about ego. You know what ego is? E-G-O? He says ego is edging God out. That we edge God out. Or you could put it another way. You could say we edge God off. We edge God off the throne of my life so me or something else I pick can occupy it. And remember, okay, pride is not how I think about myself. Pride is not how I feel about myself, but pride is how I position myself. And so he says when pride takes over, it's like we're pursuing friendship with the world, and we be actually, that, that puts us like enemies with God. And I think, I think he's using this kind of language here, enemies of God, to kind of get our attention. So we'll go like, hold on, is he talking to me? And I think what he wants us to do is ask, some, ask, ask yourself this, okay? Ask yourself some of these questions. Have I positioned myself, think about this, so that God is part of my life rather than Lord of my life? Ask yourself this, do I pray in a way like I'm giving God assignments about how to fix my life instead of actually surrendering my life to Him? You see the difference? Ask yourself this, is the agenda of my life set by me until something goes wrong and then I call on God for help? See, see God wants to be the most important relationship in our lives. And in the process, he wants to bring fulfillment to all those desires that we have. Yet in our pride, we think we have a better plan. So we position ourselves where only God should be positioned. And what happens, you know what? It, it just, it wreaks havoc and destroys us relationally. It wreaks havoc and then destroys us spiritually. And what happens relationally, if you continue to let this thing gestate and go on, this pride, it'll leave you All alone. All alone. And it'll also create, leave you alone, distant from God. And I don't, I don't think anybody, I don't think there's anybody here that wants that. No, there's no takers on that. And so what James does through chapter 4, I mean, it gets kind of, you're going like, oh man, this is, this is harsh stuff. So it's kind of like he just hammers on his hammers on hammers. and finally, okay, finally, you get to, you get to this, this the, the, about the sixth verse in there, and then he says this. I love this. He says this. This is actually, uh, Chapter 4, verse 6, not verse 1, chapter 1. He says, but he gives us more grace. It's like now he says, here's the solution. Here's the cure. More grace. Grace, second chances. Do-overs. Unearned, unlimited love. And whenever we talk about this, our reflex, our human reflex is, you know what, you don't know what I've done. You know what I've done and how, the, the, the the ridiculously tragic things I've done relationally. You don't know how many times I've taken advantage uh, of, of God's grace. But here's the thing: I'll tell you what. This verse has been just sticking with me all week, and it's like it's like James already knew. He already knew we used up grace, right? And so was, he we already used up grace. So he comes back and says, "Guess what? There's what? What's this word here? A little louder, more, more grace, right? More grace." I'm going like that has got to be like one of the greatest verses about. the Bible. But he gives us <clears throat> not just grace, but after we screwed up a whole bunch of times, oh guess what? There's still what? More grace. More grace for all the times we've blown it relationally. More grace for all of our sins, the times we turned back on God. More grace for all the times we put ourselves way up here and everybody else down here. More grace for all the times that we forced God at our feet instead of bowing at His. More grace. I'll tell you, if this was like a Pentecostal church, people would be going crazy and be clapping, like, "Whoa, more grace, right? I'll tell you, turn to somebody near you and say, hey, guess what? We get more grace. With a little enthusiasm, guess what? We get more grace. There you go. Somebody ought to be happy, but we all ought to be happy about that. More grace. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I ran across that working on this tongue, going, more grace? How awesome is that? And then James tells us: here's how you can position yourself in order to receive this grace. And he says this in the next, the, the next verse. He says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Favor to the humble. See, this pride thing is a struggle for all of us. For me, just like James talks about, it's a struggle relationally, it's a struggle spiritually. But if we want to receive more grace, okay, he shows that favor to the humble. I remember the very, uh, the very, first, uh, very first Sunday, when, uh, when we started Community Christian Church. It was um, March 5th, 1989, almost thir- be 30 years ago next spring, which is a long, long, long time. And was anybody, was any, is there anybody here that was there? Oh, Sue was there, okay. So Sue and I, that was it. Um, and uh, we were meeting over at um, Naperville Central High School. It was our very first service. we met in the cafeteria there, pipe and drape. It was just <laughs> little cafeteria chairs, and as many people as we could invite. And for some reason, this, this verse, or it was a verse just like it, so stuck in my head. It was stuck in my head. And uh, we did some songs up front, and then when I got a chance to speak, that very first service, I remember um, I came on the stage, and I said, I'll tell you what, before we get started today, I just want us to say a prayer. And I got on my knees. And uh, I don't do that every time I speak now. And maybe, maybe I should. But I'll tell you what, one of the things that I, I have kind of made a regular practice is um, before I ever come in here to speak or whatever location I'm speaking at, uh, like this morning, I get here early and I'll go through this talk a couple times because I want to try to do the best I can to make sure I really communicate God's truth to you in a way that can make a difference in your lives. But after I practice a couple times, before you guys show up at 9, 30, 11, 15, or 5 o'clock, usually in one of the rooms on the other side of the building, I just get down on my knees. And I just, it's just kind of praying, okay, God, you just, you use this. You use this however you see fit. And even, I, and I, sometimes I find myself saying, you know, even if it doesn't feel like a good talk, or sound like a good talk, and people don't think it's a good talk, help it to actually somehow penetrate their hearts and minds so that it gets lived out like a good talk. Does that make sense? And there's something for me, I'm telling you, there's something for me about getting on my knees and, and position myself physically like this that also positions my heart and my mind in the right way. And there's a lot, there, I'm telling you, it, the more you guys... If you get close to know me, there's, there, i got tons of stuff to work on. But I do. I think this pride thing is a biggie. You know why? It's not how you think about yourself. It's not how you feel about yourself. But you want to avoid this pitfall. It's how you position yourself. Here's the thing. I think there's a whole bunch of us here today that maybe for the very first time, this idea of grace, okay, you're going like, yeah, I, that, I, I need some of that. I need some of that to make my relationships work. I need that to make what goes on between me and God work. I need some of that. And, 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 and James says, here's the cure, okay? Pride's cure is humility. And so if you're saying for the first time, you know what? Maybe uh, we're going to just give you an opportunity a little bit just to go to your knees. I mean, actually, physically go to your knees. But in addition to that, too, you ought to know, I mean, one of the things that uh, Jesus demonstrated, and all the early church did, and the church have done it historically since the beginning of the church, is that whenever people said yes to Jesus for the very first time in his grace, they were baptized. And baptism is just this humbling act where you surrender yourself to someone else and then you reenact this humble kind of thing that Jesus did of his death, burial, and resurrection in the water. And I got a hunch there's a whole bunch of people that have never done that as adults. Your decision is. You can actually, let's go and put this slide up here. You can actually go to our website, communitygristion.org slash baptism. we got a class. we got some dates coming up in the fall. You can sign up right now. A whole bunch of you need to do that. That becomes this marker and say, you know what, that, that, that position right there, that's the position, position for which I want to live my life. But I also know, okay, in this room, there's someone need to do it for the first time, but there's a whole bunch of us. What we need this Sunday is we need more grace. Right? Come on. We need more grace. Because as we look over our shoulder the last week or the last month or the last year, it's kind of like, man, we blew it here, we blew it there, we blew it here. And that's the good news. The good news is James says, guess what? There's not just grace, but more grace again this Sunday. And he says, if you want that, he goes on to the next verse. Look at this next verse in, in 7 and 8. He says, just submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you, come near to God, and, and, and God will come near to you. He's basically saying, you just humble yourself, you turn away from all you've been chasing, you just come on back to God. And so I'll tell you what. Here's what I going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you, um, if you're physically able, and you want to receive grace, for the first time, or yet again, I'm going to ask you just to go to your knees because grace okay because this pride thing not how we think about ourselves not how we feel about ourselves but it's how we position ourselves and don't oh man don't, and this is the position that we need to be in and maybe if we do this occasion like this on sunday maybe it'll become a routine that we do every day right i mean maybe maybe that's something we maybe that's just yeah that's how we start our day going like hey I'm not going to get this right, but God, I just want you to know, I know you're in charge, and here's my posture. And look at, look at this next verse here. Go to the next verse. Humble yourselves with the Lord. and lo- What does it say there? And he will lift you up. I mean, some of us in here, I mean, our, we got some relationships that need a lift, right? Some of us, we got some marriages that need a lift. we got some businesses, some careers that need a lift. we got situations that need a lift from God. And he says, you humble yourself. Just let me be in charge of it. I'll meet those desires. And if you, if you can't physically do this, I'll tell you what, maybe for some of you, just, just th- th- hold your hands out like this and your head bowed. Let that be your posture. And let's just, um, let's say this prayer together, okay? Father God, We come to you here, we are on our knees, and we are intentionally humbling ourselves before you, because in the the, the chaos of the Monday through Saturday, we find ourselves pushing other people down, pushing other people aside, and kind of edging you out, and we don't want to do that. And so, Lord, here we are, we are on our knees, and we submit ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray against the schemes of the evil one. We ask that you help us to resist his influence in our relationships. We ask for your help to resist his influence in in temptations that pull us away from you. And by the power and in your name, Jesus, we ask that all those things, as it says, flee. Father God, we do. We want to be close to you. We want to draw near to you. And so in humbleness, we come to you. And maybe for some of us, for the very first time, we ask for your grace. But for all of us, we ask for exactly what James said, we could have more grace. More grace. May our lives be wholly yours. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.